0: So, here we are, episode five of Saberland. Um, not much going on for the Sabers yet again. Two two episodes in a row now, um, but that's all right, because there's all sorts of stuff that I guess I've just always wanted to say to maybe anyone, or just, just say. Um, and I feel like that's what these summer episodes might be um, a good conduit for, but um, but I'll find a way to make them about the sabers because things all all thoughts lead to Saberland in my mind. So, welcome to episode five, and we'll get it going in a minute. in a minute it's more like 33 seconds um i don't know if that's actually how many how long it is so yeah we, you know in terms of actual sabers not a whole lot um the preds the tours actually i should call them um oh no i can't see um i'd love to call them tours the tours well ducks is monosyllabic the tours beat the ducks um the gwins also have a chance to beat the other tours tonight i would have been i would have been excited for an all-tours uh, cup final, but not to be, and that's well. I, well, what am I saying? It might have, it might, it may yet be, but I don't know that. But um, I think, yeah, I would, I'd love to see Nashville and Pittsburgh, um, an all-yellow cup. So uh, yeah, sounds like a re- sounds like a like a rejected Mario Kart title, uh, the Yellow Cup. Um, no one would play in the Yellow Cup. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so a couple things. I actually have been had. I've, I've had a thought about one of these things. I've always wanted to say is um, I have a I have a Mario Kart Mario Kart theory of life, um, uh, a, on, on which I will expound I suppose a little bit later. But I, I realized um, I, I I just want to continue kind of with some of the things I was saying last time. Last oh first well first let me just say. Yeah, last week, I believe that might have been a Wednesday. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a very intense week, um, personally and professionally. Um, and uh, also, I was anticipating going um, upstate, slightly upstate. And when I say upstate, I actually mean upstate from New York City, uh, the Hudson Valley. But I was there over the weekend. And I did realize that I don't ever want to find myself on a Sunday anywhere except Brooklyn for the rest of my life, I just hate it. No matter what, no matter how well the Saturday before it has gone, the Saturday proceeding has gone, I don't, I don't, I hate, i just miserable immediately upon waking up anywhere but Brooklyn on Sunday. And uh, I did, I woke up in, in, in Rhinebeck on Sunday, and it was, it was an okay day, but um, I managed to finagle um, with Amtrak uh, an earlier train home, so my sister and I did that. Um, and we heard the most pretentious guy on the train behind us. Um, I think he had just graduated from Bard or something and was talking to a woman, um, which is already, I've already said, you can already picture how horrible this guy was. Literally, um, you know, or maybe I think he, I think he got on, no, I think he got on at Poughkeepsie. So he, he may not have been even been a, a Bard student, but, um, but he also might've gotten on with us at Rhinebeck. And although I think the woman had. Anyway, they, first, they're 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 I, uh, you know sometimes as you vaguely become aware of overhearing um, pretentiousness, you know it's only you don't even you only, like I be, I begin to become aware of my hatred for someone sometimes when I can't see them but I can hear them. This is particularly so on let's just say an Amtrak train, which this was, and uh, you know yeah vaguely they're like I, I I recognize miserable like how how like miserable this guy is going to make me. Um, cause he's talking about like, I just start hearing the names of philosophers and the languages he speaks and, or wishes he learned and the places he's been in Europe and how long the bus rides are from one city to the next. I'm just, I just like, shut up. There's, I'm not a huge traveler myself, but, um, people just love talking about how long it took to get from one city to another and what, on, and what mode they, of transportation they took in Europe. I mean, that's pretty much Hemingway basically staked a career on that, that, and Lack of emotional um, honesty. But basically, this guy will say, "Yeah, like he didn't talk like this. He didn't sound like a bro, but I'm just going cause he was way more pretentious but I'm make him sound like a bro. But he just was like, well, you know, it's like a it's a twelve hour bus ride from like Venice to to I don't even know Lucerne. I'm just ma- throwing I'm just making up stuff. But he just like, like they, they all people always mention the the amount of time they spent and the the thing in which they were riding. like, Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a five hour train ride through Switzerland. So, you know, you can imagine, like, I mean, I can imagine how much I don't want to be doing that with you. And I can tell you right now how much I don't want to be listening to you say that. Um, So that was, that was the first part. And then she didn't, and it was also one of those overheard conversations where the guy is just talking and she'll maybe get in a word or two here and there. And she'll just be like, oh, mm, yeah, okay. And he just loves to hear himself talk and thinks that he loves to be heard. So anyway, they start, they were quiet for a while. They're they're like, they're, she was reading or something. And, you know, and, and I'm not totally, I don't, I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I, I love and hate mixed feelings about, you know, like um, eavesdropping. It's very fun. Um, but it's also makes me angry. But I, that's partly what's why it's so fun. But of course, I'm also just, you know, hanging out with my sister and we're navigating or uh, wrangling my niece, um, who's two, turned turn two on Saturday. Um, so that's, I mean, that's obviously super fun, but I can't not, my sister and I couldn't stop eye rolling periodically when this guy resumed the conversation. And he resumed the conversation with this other woman by saying, um, I just heard him say after, you know, apropos of his own, um, enormous ego, he says to her, oh, I notice you're not using your glasses to read. And I just thought, like, I could, I could turn around and punch this guy in the face. I didn't, obviously, but um, she she like listened to him. And I don't. I I kept hoping that like by the end, like an hour later, once we rolled into Penn Station, she would just like say, "By the way, you're awful." But she actually, to her credit, she seemed to give him some tried to. She tried to actually be giving this blowhard some advice. Um, but whatever, it was exactly. It was it was it was very similar to some of the facts if not but not the circumstances of the the link that Steve Merchant gave on that one episode of XFM where he sees a woman on the train he's very attracted to her but this other guy slides in and just starts you know bloviating about Kierkegaard and getting all the facts wrong I'm just what whatever one or, or Marx and Engels I think actually is what um you know and, and Steve Martin, Smirch was, of course, was like a, a, a politics major or whatever, or, sorry, philosophy major, and he actually can speak, as far as I can tell, rel- or could speak then relatively articulately about these things, or, but he, but the woman, of course, completely falls for the first guy, and Smirch is miserable, and Ricky starts screaming about how she's nothing, and blah, blah, blah. Now, the difference was I was not interested in this woman, I'm also, and she was married, Um, and also just trying to hang out with my sister. But it was very, but it was just the same, like, the fury that you can feel of some idiot who just seems to be taken seriously by, by like, um, by dint of his own self-deification. I hate that. But also funny, and, and I also can kind of, I can laugh at it because here I am talking about it and whatever. So, uh... So I, I, so the point of all that is I don't really like waking up not in Brooklyn, but then you do get to see that sort of funny stuff. I mean, Amtrak's can be quite interesting. So back to Mario Kart. <laughs> Wait, did I want to, did I want to get to Mario Kart later? I don't know. I mean, it's not like I, I mean, I'll say this is funny because I'll be able to go back and listen later, but as of right now, like I don't, I don't remember what, what order I said I, I, I felt that I wanted to say things like, but I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to give my Mario Kart theory. No, but there was something else that I was thinking that I wanted to say first. I'm going to have a sip of my Brooklyn summer lager, summer ale, and think about it for a second. Yeah, it's not coming back. Oh, I know what it is. Well, so I, I got into that because, yes, it was a... That, the, not that I knew that this these sorts of portentous things would be happening on Amtrak rails um, in the Hudson Valley on, of a Sunday when I was last rec- recording. Um, but I knew something, of course, would happen, and of co- and, and I was just knew I was taking this trip. So suffice it to say, last week was a crazy episode. Um, but I had a ton of... I had, like, whereas, whereas for, the, for the episode before that, I felt like I had no energy going in, finished it, and felt like, well, that was awful, but I'm just going to keep doing it. Last week, I was, like, full of... I was just, I was, like, on fire. This week, I'm a little, I'm a little tired, because I had a kind of a draining day at work, um, but I was just, I mean, have been eager to get back on the mic, I'm trying to have like a Memorial Day barbecue this weekend, um, I mean, I will, um, planning that's always interesting, um, I got some Chevetta's uh, at the tops in, in Rhinebeck, which was awesome, um, because Tops is now, apparently, Tops is strategic, is making strategic buys, um, across New York state, it, it it turns out. So maybe, maybe my theory of Buffalo coming around or my, my goal, not my theory, my dream of Buffalo taking over, um, maybe it's, it's very slowly happening. And I did see there's a Wegmans coming to DC, but Wegmans is, see there, Wegmans is like less strategic. Um, Wegmans is like playing risk and tops is like playing Stratego. The point is I've never played Stratego. So Yeah. Here we are this week. Um, there was really something I know I wanted to say before this Mario Kart nonsense. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is, but uh, that's really gonna bother me. I talked with my dad a bit about Botril. and uh, we just sort of had that sort of way of we just, we both liked him, and uh, but of course it's funny because there's nothing that could be said about his about him, really, there's nothing substantive anyone can say because he's done nothing. That's fine. Um, he's just won the award for roundest face of the year, but, um, but I, I, I love that guy. I listened to him today. I think he was on, yeah, he was on the instigators, which whatever he was on Gr. um, yeah, and he's just great. And, uh, I just like listening to him, to him talk about literally anything hockey related because he clearly enjoys it. Um, I love the idea, the image of him like in an arbitration hearing, just sitting across from J.P. Dumont or Danny Briere, um, representing the NHL and just uh, just making a go of it as a guy. Um, and I love that. And you can hear that he just like is a real human. Um, yeah, he went to school. Like, yeah, I just I just like him. So I'm I'm excited. I mean, I guess I guess we're gonna sign the Russian Jimmy Vesey, uh, Victor Antipin. So, like, I mean, I'm all for a Russian defenseman, or any, any defenseman at this point. Because um, I think Antipin's a left shot, and we don't have, like, any of them, let alone skating defensemen. And it'd be, I guess Ghoulie is, see, yeah, see, it would be, it's, 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 everyone seems to be slotting Ghoulie in for, like, the second or third pair left D-man. And maybe he, maybe he will do it. Because again, you get three years of you know, cost control out of him. Um, I mean, he looks like he can skate, but I did. I mean, I think I, I just look at like I mean, I, and Bontrager was kind of talking about this, but you look at how the Penguins have managed to, and even and and uh, what's his name Sissons from Nashville last night spent a couple of years in the, in the in the AHL, and I really think that you know that we that's it, it, there's there are good reasons why why the NHL has 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 trended younger. In the last, you know, ten or so years, um, but you can't not like guys that and and that are that that really put in their time, a year or two years in the AHL and and learn how to be a professional because it's really not easy. I mean, I can't. It took me. I mean, I, I'd say that it's taken me. I mean, well, let's see. I moved to New York. I was twenty-five, and I'd never really had like a real job. So all re- it's it's funny because that's seven years later than a player who was, you know, being drafted, um, and even after, like, maybe now in my, let's see, I'm coming up on four years in my, my job, which I've basically had, I've had basically since I moved here, um, the first two years of it, I completely, are completely, complete throwaways, um, for various reasons, which, I mean, I, I, I did my work, but I didn't, I didn't know anything, and I didn't take it as seriously as I, certainly as I do now, um, So the point, it's like, I mean, I would say only in my, after my third, after, like, upon beginning my third year, and especially now my fourth year, like, it's really important to me. And I really understand, like, oh, I actually have to, like, try and, like, take this stuff seriously and think about it. And, um, you know, the only way to do, to be good at it, really, or to be good at anything is just to, just to take it seriously and realize, like, oh, like, if I don't do this, everything's going to go away. Um... Now you don't have to you don't have to be in the AHL to to become good at your profession. Um but I also think that I think it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing that like in, in the in in the hockey in industry, let's call it, um, you can be you can just go to a place where the stakes are lower that you can still do what you're gonna do someday, but you're not like I mean just imagine for, so I work in an insurance company. It'd just be funny if like I mean, it would be, how it doesn't, it's just, the world doesn't, no other industry really works like this except sports, but like, it would be as if I had been drafted right out of high school and then just sent off to, I don't even know what the minor leagues of insurance would be. Um, GARCO. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, uh, some sort of personalized, I, no, it just would be like, um, it's just funny. And, and and also, and I was even just thinking today, while walking around like slight tangent that, 'Cause Botchill's talking about like the scouting staff. And even in even before you get drafted, there are there are all these leagues of hockey that are where players with no NHL rights or well, players in those leagues are it's it's not you know, some players may have, have rights, you know, they signed a contract or been drafted or whatever, but a number of guys haven't, because they're either not eligible or they just haven't been 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 found yet. Um, and so just like there's just a guy whose just job at it is to go see, you know, amateurs do something and if they if the scout sees something in that player or that person then they offer him a contract um so it's 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 like i mean it would be like if uh if just you know if like a, rec- a job recruiter just went to a high school and just sat in on social studies class and said Oh, you know, that kid's got potential he knows what he's talking about um and then just signed you to a contract because you knew what year or what's what in in what year abraham lincoln was born and or whatever um it's just sports is just such a funny thing that, that it's like that. Whereas we don't we don't really societally function like that in any other way. So So at any rate, I think Brendan Gooley could probably benefit from being in the <laughs> AHL. <laughs> because this is where we might turn into, you know, the old like the Islanders of the maybe the island well, the pre John Tavares Islanders we're kind of in this perpetual cycle of mediocrity. You know, look at let's look at Tim Connolly for an example. Drafted uh in ninety-nine. I think he was fifth overall, if I remember he serves, and Taylor Pyatt was eighth. They both no, Pyatt didn't come in right away. I think he played a couple games his rookie year, but didn't come right in. Connolly came right in the league, was awful, and way too early. I mean, he needed he needed a couple years probably still in juniors, certainly maybe a year in the AHL. Like, conversely, let's look at, let's take as another as a sort of um, other uh, case study, let's look at what happened, like Jason Spezza, drafted maybe only, uh, like two years later. Now, I don't remember if he came, if he played in the AHL before the original lockout. Maybe he did. And maybe he even played a full season. But if he did, he was like, he was on low line duty. Probably, and I wouldn't, I might look that up, but but he definitely like a number of guys and actually they were even brought will even discuss this today in the, in the 0-4-0-5 lockout Spezza dominated the AHL in scoring because and he was you know 21 I th- you know I bet I bet he did play with the centers that previous year but didn't wouldn't have done a ton um and wasn't given big minutes but was able to go back down to the ahl and just be the top guy and develop and and by the time he came back the, the senators were the best team those like first first two years um and you know now he was a good enough he's still i mean he's a good enough player that maybe he didn't need that but think of that the, the value that he did get out of it i mean the, the sabers had you know Vanek, roy Pominville, um miller talinder uh, not ludman um but all those guys who were the core of those two years, where we were good. And even and lingering a few years after, we were relatively, you know, relevant. Um, they got that one year in Rochester together and had a good year. Didn't win the Calder truck, uh, coach, Cup. But um, I think the AHL, AHL teams, it's been so severely undervalued. Um, Murray clearly didn't care at all. Um, he just looked at it as like a, just like a, some, some, I guess, I imagine he only thought of it as like an extension team, uh, or, you know, just, just a reserve. Um, and I think we see, again, this is why it's difficult to kind of judge Darcy. Cause I feel like he, I think he, he probably wanted a good team in, 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 well, in minors, whether it was Portland or for a few years or Rochester, but I, I you know, again, I, I think his, his hands were often tied in terms of what he was able to, to do to get players in there. We don't have that problem anymore, so we'll see if Bottrell really makes Rochester a good team. And it shouldn't be—it shouldn't be that hard just to sign some veterans and make it a good team. Like again, like the Marlies were so good for several years now, not just because of their good young players, but they also just have some good guys there. Um, and so now we look at the Penguins. Um, again, it's like you got these guys coming out of nowhere, and they're playing big minutes, and they're and they're playing really well for the Penguins. Um, and the same happened with. You no, know, Sissons last night a hat trick and a claim and a game clinch a, a conference championship clinching game scores a hat trick. I mean that's like that's the coolest thing. Um I mean Matt it's just awesome. Um and his name is Colton, so um yeah, so I, I, I hope we uh I hope we develop the AHL. Um because it's just it's just more fun if like even and I just used to feel better when I just feel better looking at the AHL standings and seeing that they're good um, I remember what I wanted to say. All right. So I had this thought in the, in the intervening week since, since our, since we last met. Um, I spoke a lot about greatness last episode and, um, and it's certainly a topic I'll revisit at some point because I, I'm endlessly fascinated because I kind of, I hadn't really even thought about in in such in the in the terms that sort of came up um, as as I was as I was talking in the last episode, where I sort of set it up. Talk, I talked a lot about the NBA. I kind of set it up as um, the two the two overarching kind of models that are out there, at least in the NBA now, was the sort of Warriors model versus the Cavs model. Um, and of course, as of last night, the Warriors are undefeated, and they're 12 and 0 going into the finals, which is insane. Um, Cavs are still on a roll, but uh they're not there yet, but I'm sure they'll win um or I'm sure they're gonna win that series and the the thing i I, I didn't say then which is also an interesting topic at least for the NBA this past year was this resting um, issue, which which doesn't really happen in the NHL, at least not explicitly, and I don't think it really does. I mean, i if anything the NHL is See, it's a really fascinating issue because the NHL, if anything, errs too much on the side of playing through injuries. And really, probably every sport does. And it's funny how much, look how much flack the NBA has gotten for allowing players to have just rest days. I mean, again, in my life, I mean, I'm only allowed to call out sick. I'm allowed to take a, I mean, well... I'm allowed you know floating holidays which are and and even sick days are glor can can be just glorified mental health days. There's nothing wrong with that you're allowed days to take off as a professional athlete you really you really can't um except this year if you're the Cavs or if you're the warriors or or even the spurs did did a rest day um a number of teams did um and they got so much anger so much anger um that came from that um and imagine, I mean, imagine the, 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 you know, the, 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 what, not that I, I don't even want to dignify Don Cherry or milberry with a response, but that those, those, they are representative of a large chunk of, of hockey voices, um, which is problematic, of course, but, um, but they, those guys represent a lot of what I, well, what I don't really like or, or value or respect or wish to continue in the, uh, you know, the tradition of, of, of talking about the sport, um, but imagine what they would say if, you know, I mean, I mean, imagine if the Leafs just said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to give Austin Matthews a night off on Hockey Night in Canada. You know, he's, he's, he needs to rest for the playoffs or, uh, you know, or even if, if, if uh, on the stupid night you love to hate, <laughs> NBC is you know, well, if it's like, if it's, if it's Pittsburgh, Washington, like it is every other week, if they just, if they just sat Sydney and, 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 and Ovi and like, that was just, that would just be it. Like, um, happened on ESPN a couple of times. Like, you know, you had like a, I think you had like Cavs spurs with like no LeBron, no Leonard, no, no anybody. They all just sat and it's just like, well, you just have to watch it. Um, but I totally, you know, I have no problems with it for what it's worth. I think it's a great idea. Um, because clearly it's even just you know Cavs won lost notwithstanding clearly it's a good, it's smart it's a luxury, and not every team can do it because you need to you have to know you're going to make the playoffs or you know even the finals which in these teams know they are um I think it's great it's very it's it's just really clever um but imagine what would happen if that if if that happened in hockey and it could never happen in say football um for different reasons. Um, unless you've like clinched, you know, and it's like week 16 or 17 or something, and they I guess they do they kind of do that, but they never sacrifice. It's never it's rarely like Tom Brady will play like the first quarter and get up by three sk- touchdowns over the Bills in week 17 and then he'll come out. Um, but he gets you know he gets his like some reps in, and I mean that's partially Brady, but um, you know it's 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 not it's 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 still a uniquely NBA thing, but it's it's yet another reason why the NBA is much. Uh, much better run league or the best run league um so wait one second all right so all that said um so i was talking about greatness last week and um you know what it and then now so what like what it would might mean if no, i the only t- i mean the only thing that's that's tough and this is where, this is the thought that I was hoping to, or had been vaguely imagining I would open today's episode with is that, you know, I, the, argue, the the, best anti quote rest argument is, um, well, I, you know, I bought tickets to see, I don't buy tickets to see Tristan Thompson when I, when I'm going to see the Cavs play anybody or if, if the Cavs are coming to my city, like, you know, let's say they're coming to play in the, the nets. Um, which I would love to go see them but I have not uh I have never actually been able to get those tickets but you're not you're not going to pay to see yeah um uh Imam Shumpert or <laughs> or um yeah I mean maybe Ky- maybe maybe Kyrie but you're paying to see LeBron and if you go there and he's cool sure it's kind of cool if he's sitting on the bench but if he's not playing like you don't it's just not the same you want I mean I would love to I'd give, I would love to see LeBron play in my life I'd love to see Steph Curry or Durant. I mean, I don't know that I ever will. Um, but it would be it's a huge bummer and like I totally think it's worth discussing whether like you know, if if I go see like the Nets are going to be so bad next year, but I would I'm I mean, I may well I'm strongly considering just instantly buying like Warriors or or Cavs tickets because I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, I'm, and I, and I, I'm, I mean, I will be an, I am an, I consider myself a Nets fan and I will very happily, I mean, I rooted for them against the Suns this year. The one time I went, though, I actually kind of like this, my Phoenix, my Suns. Um, but I, um, but I, but I don't care now. Like I'm just, I'm going to see Steph. I'm going to see LeBron. Like, that's awesome. Um, but if they don't play and they may not against a team like this, the Nets, then like, well, that would suck. Because what made me think about this, um, and here is exactly the thing I was, the statement that I was thinking of opening this episode with until I forgot, is that I spent last week talking about greatness and LeBron, and this I want to open this week by talking about Bette Midler, <laughs> because as a Mother's Day present, um, I bought my mom and I tickets to go see Hello Dolly um, in October kind of close to her birthday but that's 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 more or less I just uh really she just really wanted to go and um I mean there's nothing I love more than like a big lavish old school Broadway show um and that's the one to see and my mom loves Bette Midler and I I, I, I mean I, I strongly associate I think this it was the it was the version of one of the things I may have seen most in my early life that therefore thing that kind of defined a lot of my early development um was the TV the the TV movie of Gypsy with 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 Bette Midler as Rose and I I'm pretty sure Jason Alexander was um no no he was in the Bye Bye Birdie oh maybe he no that's right Peter Regert was in it he was Mr Goldstone and uh, yeah and uh, and Bette Midler was 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 Rose and I and I think I might be I might be totally messing things up but I'm pretty sure my sister sent me a link recently. That Elizabeth Moss was like was like baby June or something, I don't know anyway, um yeah I, I mean i I really like Bette Midler, um I mean who doesn't um but I've certainly never seen her in anything, and uh be really fun, and I didn't really know Hello Dolly except um the song f- the big one, um and then the opening of Wally, um which I really want to watch again because I've been listening i've been uh I'll get you for this Bette Midler because I've been listening to that soundtrack on Spotify like on repeat endlessly like the last 2 weeks. So as I said before, all the madness of last week was underscored by Hello Dolly, uh the song and uh and the, and the the entire soundtrack also, but I really had the couple days where I was just listening to that song on repeat and it was great. Um and also if you're if if well if if you are in New York City um what's it's like it's like eight just a little after eight now go out at like twilight and, and, and you better have spotify walk out your front door at twilight and just wander around your neighborhood and listen to put on your sunday clothes you will be so happy it's the most wonderful thing you could do for yourself um and also it's just fun because it also again it makes me think of the opening of Wally and it's that's a, such a brilliant moment in in recent cinematic history um uh, it's, it's good an opening as like Manhattan, um, which is also, which is interesting because it's footage of, it's a movie about Manhattan, obviously, but the music is not strictly about Manhattan. Whereas in Wally, the footage is space and the lyrics are about going to Manhattan. Um, but, uh, it's a good pairing and it's a great driver. I love that. I'm always, I, I'm a sucker for the "We're Going to New York" song in like it's always like the second or third somewhere around there song of um, if if it's in there at all that's like a huge um, that's that's always good um, in in any like classic show so but I but the but in buying these tickets it's because Bet is she's already announced see it's it's funny because people this show is gonna be great but there's always the Broadway thing of when the show's got a big star, and this one is funny because if you've seen the posters, Bette Midler's name is above the title, and it's, like, almost bigger than Hello, Dolly. You might... Even if you didn't know who she was, you might be confused what the title... Or what you're even looking at, because you think, like, Bette Midler, Hello, Dolly. Is it, like, a... Is it, like... It could easily be a one-woman show, the way that the poster looks, if you didn't know what you were looking at. Um, but people... This is this is this is what's interesting is historically in, in in Broadway. I mean, this is a lot of shows that have big stars just die off as soon as the person leaves. Um, you know, it's it's and it's a weird thing that's that Broadway is so star driven, but that's also New York. Um, but uh, you know, because for instance, you know, Hamilton is not. It didn't take a hit when Lin Manuel or the or, the, or the, the, you know, the any of the stars left. Um, it made it a little different, but. Um, and they didn't replace him or haven't yet with a huge star, but they don't need to because that's, that's an exception. Um, but, you know, I mean, a lot of shows even just don't even bother running once the star leaves. It's clearly just like a vehicle for the star to get a Tony or some acclaim or whatever, or a movie deal or whatever. Um, but this is tricky because, I mean, I, the show is going to be great no matter what. Um, Gavin Creel, David Hyde Pierce, which... Um, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll they'll probably be in the performance. We're going on a Thursday night. Um, and Beth has already announced she was not, as of, I think in the summer, she's not going to be in any of the Tuesday shows. And she's also announced blocks of dates in which she won't be performing. But suffice it to say, um, most of the, the, the anxiety associated with buying these seats is hoping that she's going to be in it because, uh, you know, it's, it's like, again, I think of like, I'd like, to, I mean, I think of it, I think of Ethel Merman in contradistinction to LeBron James, both the the Titans of their respective art forms in their eras. But the Ethel Merman style is just like never missing a show. The show must go on. There's never a good reason to not do a show. And, uh, you know, maybe if LeBron wasn't playing in every single playoffs and every finals, Maybe he would play more games, but it's just, it's different. Um, And there's also, I mean, it's, 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 you can't really come, I mean, well, you can't, of course you can compare them because they are different, but you can't, you can't really say, you can't really say one's, you know, better or worse just because of the way they go about it. But it is fascinating because if, if, this were, if we were seeing, if this were 50 years ago or whatever the hell, 60 years ago, and we were, when my mom and I were going to see Ethel Merman in Hello Dolly. You wouldn't have to worry about it because she would just be in it. Um, and I, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that Bet will be in this because, you know, she knows that that's why people are coming. And if she's announced she's going to be in it, there's, if she'll give every, um, attempt to do it, but there's anxiety associated with buying a ticket when you're like, well, maybe she'll be sick that night and we'll just get stuck with an understudy. This could, she would still be great because broad, she'd be a Broadway caliber performer. Um, but we're just driven by star power, and that's the world that we are living in sometimes. So, one more sip of beer. So I wanted to talk about Bette Midler and Broadway, and uh, I have. But if anyway, at any rate, if you're um, able to walk around, and I guess it doesn't even have to be New York, but it's pretty fun if it's New York. If you can walk around and listen to that says, listen to that the, the new the new cast recording. Listen to put on your Sunday clothes. It's epic. I can't wait to see it. It's also a funny thing where, um, again, it's another unique thing to New York, um, well or, or Broadway, which is that or sometimes for a big show like this, when work, the work the soundtrack comes out, you know, like the right after the show opens or relatively after, soon after it, and then you buy it and you're like, oh, I'm going to listen to this for forever you know for a while and then like the, but I can't see the actual show for five months um similarly in Hamilton um when I saw that I had I, I I hadn't heard anything so that was amazing I saw it like not too too long after it had opened um but the the, rec- the cat the recording was nowhere near out yet actually no, no one what I'm saying? it came out like a few weeks later but it was perfect because I had just enough time to even let the memories marinate in my mind until I could even hear it again. And then be like, oh yeah, like that's actually what happened. But it was amazing, um, to not even be able to listen to it for a while because it was just this raw memory. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, I had another, another, oh yeah. So, um, I was thinking about Lin Manuel Miranda today, and I hadn't. I haven't for. I mean, that's that, that. That may not sound like anything remarkable because a lot of people think of him and should. Um, but I did get a little Hamilton overloaded at some point in the last year, um, because I just you can only listen to something every day for so long, um, and I did for a long time. But I I realized it, we're not there yet. It'll be in June. But I first um, actually in, experienced him. Just about three years ago, because I remember vividly, it was the night that the Sabers drafted Sam Reinhardt, um, and but a friend of mine, um, who's a friend who I met through Adam, actually of Adam and Gordon Show, he of Adam and Gordon Show fame, um, we, she got she was somehow found, came into possession of two extra tickets to like a one night only thing at uh, Carnegie Hall yes, no, but near Carnegie Hall, but on 57th, somewhere in there. And it was, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, Leslie Odom Jr. and Karen Olivo. So at the time I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like these people are like cool, I guess. I'd heard the name Lin-Manuel Miranda, but I didn't really know who he was. And, uh, you know and 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 I seeing the thing, I was like, oh, this guy wrote a show. like he's working on a thing like cool and the other and Lin, and Leslie Odom's like beautiful voice, like great Caroline Olivo, like yeah, she was in the other thing that the guy wrote, and she's cool. she's retired, and like she's amazing, but like whenever this I don't love Jonathan Larson, he's good, and this show was good, but I don't love him. But I was like, oh, okay, cool and in in in, in intermission, like checking Twitter rapidly to see like did we did we like manage to get Eckblad and we didn't. But I was like, cool, Sam Reinhardt, fine. Um, and uh, and then and then like a few weeks later, uh, here I went to, at BAM, I saw the the Live This American Life show, which might have been like the best thing I've ever seen. And This American Life is such a weird show that's like all over the place. It's equally, it's like two parts terrible, two parts great, and then like 95%, like or 96%, like eh, whatever, right? I guess. Um but the live show at BAM was phenomenal. Um, Sashir so Zameda did a cool thing. Mike Berbiglia did a good thing, <laughs> and then John, Lynn manuel Miranda did like a live twenty-minute musical of one of my favorite This American Life stories, which was, um, yeah, I mean, which uh, it was about the it was about the kid in Florida who like, who like basically, like fell in love with an undercover cop who then who was there trying to get kids to sell drugs and so they have they, but so he he claims that he only did it because she like let him on but he wouldn't do it otherwise but she's saying he said sold her drugs so then he got in trouble it's like conflicting stories interesting relatable emotions and real world problems and i had i had you know it was a relatively recent story and of course Lin Manuel had like chosen that and somehow they got him to do this clearly while he was working on Hamilton because it hadn't even opened to the public yet and I saw him again and I was like, this is the best 20 minute, this, this musical, which is only 20 minutes is like the best new thing I've seen since Book of Mormon and maybe even beyond that. Um, and, uh, and then of course, within a while, shortly thereafter, Hamilton opened and he started getting, you know, more and more rec- uh, recognition. And then, and then I, you know, I came to see his, his White House performance on YouTube of his, of, from 08 or whenever 09 and whatever and I was like oh this song is amazing the opening of Hamilton and I can't and it's going to be musical and we're going to got to buy tickets so um, Adam and I did get tickets and saw it um, in uh, 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 September or October of no I think it was late September of whatever you know the summer that it opened Um, and yeah and so then the soundtrack came out after and then ever since then I've just been listening but. so yeah, I was thinking about him today because of the draft. So I always associate Sam Reinhardt with Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, but but strangely, because it was like it was like I was it was like I was putting my eyes over my over my putting my fingers over hands over my eyes and peeping through my fingers and seeing something that I thought I wanted to see and then realizing that the thing that I could see inside my hands was better all along. I don't even know what that means. Because um, at the point being, uh, the night of, I w- uh, in question, I was like, sure, I'll go see a show and try and follow the Sabres because I just want to see who we draft because I was super excited. Second overall was like the highest the Sabres ever drafted in my lifetime. And uh, I wish we won the first overall. We didn't, but I was still excited because it's second and that's cool. And it um, doesn't mean that I wasn't paying attention to <clears throat> the show. But uh, you know, three years down the road, I'm like, oh, like it didn't. It, they were they were going to draft him either way, and he was going to turn into the player he has thus far, and and will later. Um, but you never know when you're going to find yourself sitting in a theater seeing someone <clears throat> who's going to change your life somehow. So that's my Lin Manuel Miranda story. And uh, finally, Mario Kart. <laughs> now I don't really know what how what what I might apply this to or how I could compare it to, but um, oh man, it's not even Mario Kart. It's also NHL '99. See, I mean, I, I you know what? I it's too I've been I'm, it's too much. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to talk about this some other time because I'd forgotten the two things are different because you never. You never create characters in Mario Kart. You only have eight to choose in Mario Kart 64. But it has to do with the the time trial thing and uh, the ghost of yourself that you raced against. But it's not... See, that's not my theory of life, though. See, this is... I I, I should have thought more before I said this. Um, it's a, It's an overriding principle that I sort of find myself believing in. The Mario Kart ghost principle, but... I actually should have referred to this so-called theory as the NHL 99 create a player theory. All right, so whatever. So since since I've already said that, um, I really lived a lot of my life where in... Well, okay, so in NHL 99, forget what I just said about living my life. In NHL 99, when you create a player, you are only given, like, you have like a big bar of talent that you can allocate to different attributes for a player that you create, now, that's, that's not related to height, weight, whatever. Um, that stuff is its own thing. But when you're giving the guy, like, speed, you know, acceleration, stick handling, shot power, shot accuracy, skating, you know, whatever, um, defensive awareness, offensive awareness, blah, 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 face-offs, um, you can only allocate so much. And I lived a lot of my life believing that a person essentially had some sort of a skill bar... Hovering in the ether above their heads in some alternate dimension, and you could only you can only ever do so much or be so good at whatever was allowed by your loan limits. Um, Does't mean you can you can't reallocate. Um, so for instance, I might I often would create a player like I don't care about his defensive awareness. I don't even care about his strength. I just want him to have super speed. Super shot power, super shot accuracy, and I'm putting him on the on the wing because I'm just going to make him the best winger, or the best scoring guy, and I'm make him the best at the things I care about, and I'll make him terrible at everything else. Um, no, because you had to do some of that to tailor it. Um, but more recently, video games don't ever do that. They just allow you to... You can just set the ratings at whatever you want. Now, maybe that's just a, only reflective of a trend of changes in gamers' expectations or um, certain things, but I don't know, just somehow it felt important to me to say that I don't have any much, I don't really even have that much more to say this, except that I realized that I lived a lot of my life just feeling like there was only so much that could be done, and I don't necessarily think so anymore. So that came out of, I don't know what that had to do with anything else I've talked about today, um, but it felt like I wanted, it felt important to say it. So, and it does, it is related to my Mario Kart kind of, uh, Belief, but I'm actually I'm gonna say that for another another time um, because I've also I also I, I mean I had I, there was a whole chapter in a big, big long novel I was writing once that was based on my family about then it was actually about a guy remembering what it was like to play Mario Kart against his well in the novel it was about his like this mysterious cousin that it appeared once but really let's just say it was me thinking about pl- having played with my sister and specifically how we both only ever tried to make the cheat the big jump on Rainbow Road to, like, have the track and win easily. Um, and, uh... Fuck it, i Sorry, I'll just talk about it now. So, it's, it was interesting that that was Rainbow Road, which was the longest and ostensibly hardest, although I don't agree. Uh, it wasn't hard. It was most fun, but it was the longest track in the game. And, uh... I always liked the... the you know, in the, in the, the Rainbow Bridge is the thing that um connects the r- real world to the to um um Asgard uh in Norse myth- mythology and uh specifically at the end of the first opera of the ring cycle Das Rheingold uh the gods f- have finished building um wait what's the name of the have, they really finished building, but is the, yeah. They, they, they cross the Rainbow Bridge to go off into their world. Um, meanwhile, Loki kind of laughs about it and cackles and says that, um, well, he wonders what he's going to do and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the Rhine maidens are, are, are kind of down in the, in the Rhine, one, you know, saying all sorts of things. And, this is, and the, the idea being this is going to be the, become the downfall of the gods that we see in the final show, opera. Um, but it's, but it's a musically, it's a tremendous ending, um, just big, powerful orchestra A thing that I just, nothing I love more than like a gigantic orchestra going crazy, um, at the big ending of an opera. And they cross the rainbow bridge, um, and various productions you might find on YouTube, uh, have rendered this in different ways. Um, but I like the idea that you're crossing the rainbow bridge and kind of ignoring some reality and going off into the one, the thing that you've imagined for yourself, um, but really, uh, unknowingly sealing your own fate <coughs> against yourself. And uh, so, in this novel, I was writing, uh, you know, this this other brother kind of this brother character did that by driving across the Rainbow Bridge in Buffalo off into Canada because he was going to marry some Canadian girl and pursue some dream he'd always had. Meanwhile, the, the narrator is remembering the two of them having played Mario Kart back as children in like the you know in in, in 1998 or whatever, and just endlessly playing the rainbow um rainbow road and just you know just trying to get the boosts and hit that uh hit that big cheat jump on the first on the first giant thing um, cuz if you remember or if you don't um so on the the rainbow road i think I th- i'm pretty sure that track has appeared in some form on every mario kart game but i really have only ever substantially played mario kart 64 which i still is my favorite game ever made um but it's such, it's a huge jump, and the the whole track is like suspended in space. So if you if you manage to go over the sides, um, you just fall into an abyss, and you it's very difficult to come back and win. Um, and including in this first jump, if you you have to like the track just kind of falls out beneath you, and you you hope that you you either have to go not very fast so you don't you stay on it when it when it bottoms out or as it falls away. If you're going too fast, you'll just sort of you'll just kind of catch air and just drift. And hopefully if you're going straight enough, you'll land on the track. But if not, you'll miss it and die. But if you have like the, if you pick up like the mushroom boost and you blast way off to the left in a weird angle, you can also, you can actually leap and boost and then land on a, like a much different part of the track, like as though you've just gone ahead, like by three quarters of the track. And if you make it, you're, you're guaranteed a win. If you miss, it's, very, if you're playing another human player, it'd be very difficult to catch them unless you caught the jump the last time. But my sister and I used to do this and we would only go for the, the jump. Um, so much so that like, you know, I might get so caught up in trying to catch the jump that maybe Kate would just keep going on normally on the track and then she'd end up winning, winning or vice versa. But oftentimes we both each ended up with like insanely long race times because we just kept trying to get the jump and then somebody would win and feelings would be heard. And we had a lot of fights about Mario Kart. Um, but yet again, here's a rainbow road that kind of gets people. Sometimes it's, you can get caught up, so caught up in the thing that you're trying to achieve for yourself that you lose sight of the simplest path to get there. And uh, whether that's in Mario Kart or NHL or I don't even know, a podcast, um, these things can be difficult. So well, yeah. Now, see, that's that's not so bad. I managed to actually say that stuff in a relatively short amount of time. So I've done that and uh, talked to Little Sabers, talked to Little Broadway, had some laughs, some tears, a little Brooklyn lager. And I think we've had a bit of a journey together. I feel good about it. Um, so that's been uh, episode five of the Pod Saberland and we're, uh, we're nearing the draft. We're nearing, maybe next time we speak, we'll have a coach. We'll just see. So um, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.